What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Talk It Out Podcast. This is your girl, Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Unfortunately, Joy is not here. But um, we're going to keep the ball rolling. Thank you guys for listening to our last episode. Entitled, The Problem Isn't Toxic Masculinity. It's a lack of masculinity. Um, thank you for all the shares, all the comments, all the replies. Um, remember to hit us up on social media if you would like to send us a comment. Facebook.com slash talk it out podcast, Instagram.com slash talk it out podcast, Twitter.com slash talk it out underscore pod. Use the hashtag talk it out pod for a retweet. Uh, today we got a lot of good topics coming at you. Uh, last week, KT kind of started a little, little discussion, a little Twitter storm, talking about what she called cheating culture and polyamory. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that because, um, that's something we've never talked about, but actually, hmm, some of us know a little bit about, um, then we're going to also talk about the idea of, can you hold people accountable for their past views? And is that um, the same as what's going on with Kevin Hart? Like, are people just, you know, judging him based off his past? And is that fair? Uh, then we're going to talk about Santoya Brown and uh, just some other stuff. Stay tuned for the ride. Uh, let's get right into it. So, um, basically, someone on Twitter posted, or not someone, TGK, or actually TG Nose Curls, uh, she basically posted something that said, Married men, why get married if you're still going to cheat? Stop cheating on your wives, just get a divorce. And so, I was kind of like, "Mm, let's talk about cheating culture here. Um, So, basically, what I was saying is that, uh, literally, consistently in our culture, we are completely and utterly okay with someone cheating on us and then, like, accepting them back into our lives, but we're not okay with things outside of monogamy for some odd reason, and anytime you try and bring up non-monogamy, uh, whether that be polyamory, polygamy, something like that, uh, someone always has a, has an issue with it. Um, so I just kind of like, I guess my issue here is that I'm just confused as to why people would rather stay in monogamous relationships and cheat, uh, consistently on each other instead of just being polyamorous where they can have open conversations and communicate with their partner better. Um, that is interesting because it's like, as soon as you say, it's okay. Like, people cheating, cheating, cheating. Left and right. Like, people I know. Cheating on this person. Cheating on that person. Everybody cheating, sneaking, and, and dodging. And then as soon as you tell them, hey, don't you know it's possible to be in a relationship and also date or be in a relationship with other people? Oh, then that's just, what? No way. That's out of the... What? 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 Now it's like mind blown. Now it's like, oh, I would never. That's immoral. So what? What? You're okay with cheating. So pretty much lying and um, deceit. deceit and not not communicating with your partner. That's okay. 
But as soon as we say communicate, then everything is, they just can't do it. They can't do it. Like, they can't even wrap their mind around it. To be honest, I don't know. I guess, I mean, like, most things, religion plays a part. But then you think it would play a part in people not cheating. Or maybe it's, maybe, do you think, let me ask this to you. Do you think that majority of humans were made for monogamy? Do you think that's a natural thing? Absolutely not. Why? <laughs> I don't think monogamy is natural. Only because, like, just just look at animals. Period. Like, most animals are are not monogamous. Um, think about like even if we're if we're not even talking about animals, let's talk about like plants. Plants are not monogamous. Like that that just doesn't happen. And like in nature, that doesn't occur. So it. To me, that it just doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem like it's a legitimate thing that should be happening. And what I don't, I just, I'm just so confused as to why people are so okay with having such toxic relationships for the sole purpose of like just being, for just saying they're in a relationship, period. Like, I feel like a lot of people just, oh, I'm accepting my boyfriend back just so that I don't have to be lonely or I'm accepting my girlfriend back who cheated on me and did all this crazy stuff to me just so that I don't have to be lonely. Like, love is infinite. I want to say I don't necessarily know, but I know that throughout history, like what's inherently, because um, I haven't looked into the science, what's inherently, you know, natural for humans. But just as far as history goes, we know that religion has played a humongous part in the way we view relationships. At a point in time, I mean, it was okay to have multiple wives and and wives and concubines. Like King David, he had concubines and he was a man after God's own heart. And Solomon had like hundreds of concubines and hundreds of wives. And just as society changed and, and things became more conservative in ways and just things changed then it just became monogamy you know so it's 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 just pretty much I can't I really don't I really can't tell you what's natural for us because it's just I don't know if it's environment or it's inherent you know what I'm saying I don't know do you think that, or can you kind of like, because I don't know if a lot of our, our listeners even know what polyamory is. Uh, can you explain kind of what polyamory is? To- polyamory, I mean, if we're going to go to the epitomology of it, poly means many, amor, amor means love, so like many love. So it can take form in many, many, many ways. Like there's, you name it. Um, there is a difference between polyamory and polygamy to me. Um, polygamy usually when you see it, it's like one central person that everybody's sharing. And there's like no interrelationships between the other people. With polyamory, it's more so that every person or whatever has the potential to have other relationships you know what I'm saying so it's not like everybody shares one person or one person shares everybody it's 
everybody has the opportunity to have other relationships. Or everybody can, three people can be dating each other. It's like, it's all types of things, but it's pretty, it's just not monogamous. It's not just two people and you have to stay together forever. Um, so it's that. So if you think about it like that, that opens up the, the, the range for just all types of possibilities. But going back again to the stigma of it, um, that, that's very frightening for some people because, you know, with monogamy and just in general humans, we're very jealous people. Very jealous. That's one of the first things people ask about. Like, what do you do with jealousy? And that's something you have to tackle. Like, throughout all these years, we've been taught that you're supposed to have a partner that is made for you and you're supposed to be selfish over. And you're, and sometimes we even, like, encourage, like, thinking that you own that person or you owe them time or they owe you time or they owe you certain things and y'all have to, you know. It's a lot of things that kind of teach us possessiveness over people. And polyamory kind of has to make you kind of break a lot of that indoctrination. And like we say, whenever people learn information that goes against what they've been taught all their life, it kind of throws them for a loop. So that's one of the reasons that people kind of have pushback towards polyamory, I think. Yeah, so as for me, how I would define polyamory would definitely just be your your definition, many loves. Um, but you're right to say that with polyamory, a lot of people, like, you do actually have to deal with the jealousy thing. You do have to actually deal with the possessiveness. You have to deal with those things and you have to actually reflect on yourself, like on your actual self. Like, why am I feeling these feelings? Why am I expressing these feelings? Why do I feel like my partner owes me this time? Why do I feel like my partner owes me this and owes me that? Uh, and if you, if I'm honest, like, a lot of those type of things that we feel like jealousy and like possessiveness, that that just stems from like childhood things. Um, that stems from religion. That stems from how we were taught uh, to view other people who are in relationships with us. And honestly, like as just as far as I go, like um, I just feel like polyamory has has been a healthier option, if that makes sense. Not to say that, you know, monogamous relationships can't have those type of conversations or can't have those type of, like, uh, breakdowns. But, like, just based on what I see in social media and just based on what I see, like, and what I've experienced myself, like, monogamy has been more toxic than anything because it basically says that you should only be with this one person. You should only do this with that one person. Only do that. Only do this. It like puts a, it automatically puts a barrier on the relationship that you guys have and the relationship that you guys uh, are, you know, have potential to have. Like relationships consistently grow and change and, and move and like go different directions. You can't just expect that person not to change. The only thing constant in this world is change. But one thing I do want to add is that polyamory is not just a free-for-all, do whatever you want to do, gung-ho, this, that, and together. There's still boundaries. And, and that's one thing that makes a good polyamorous relationship very, very good. Because the amount of communication you have to be able to have is like like no other. 
like you have to be able to tell people like that you are interested in other people that you have done things that you have to tell people all the time about like what you know in your history like you have to be able to communicate your feelings and you really have to be it really challenges you to be a good communicator because you're dealing with all these different people. It's like planner. Like this ain't gonna be a, po- a polyamorous RS episode, but it is interesting to think about, and I really think that it is a way of the future. Cause I see more people talking about him. I I definitely think that, like as long as people are communicating and and safe and and being responsible, that it could be a a possible um, look of the future. I mean, of course, it ain't for everybody. I'm not going to tell everybody to do it because it definitely ain't. Some people just ain't built for it. Some people ain't built for monogamy. Some people ain't built for polyamory. So I have another topic that I want to talk about. And I'm going to ask you a question, KT. Do you think the revolution will ever happen? See, we're France, they're over here protesting and literally having a revolution, setting the whole country on fire. Okay. Do you think we could do that? Let me read this tweet for you by um, Willis DC, H-A-W-I-L-L-I-S-D-C. It's easy to read Marxist texts and tweet about guillotines and eating the rich for fun. But y'all can't even boycott Chick-fil-A because a chicken, spicy chicken sandwich slept too hard. But y'all want me to believe you ready for the sacrifices that will come with the revolution. Mm. What you say about that? <laughs> uh, I think it's partly true. Like, honestly. Um, I think... Honestly, I feel like <sighs> how America is right now, I feel like it's just it's just trash. Like let's be honest. Like um you're right. We can't protest Chick-fil-A. We can't protest um uh, our jobs. We can't protest specific things um because we you know there there's fear that is behind it. Um, we can't protest our jobs because guess what? We're going to get fired. And when we get fired, um, we'll no longer have anywhere to live. Uh, we can't protest, uh, you know, certain places that provide us food. I'm not saying Chick-fil-A provides me food because definitely, uh, I try my best not to eat there, but, um, definitely I do think that because those things are accessible, because those things are cheap. Um, it's really hard for people to remove those things from them for their lives. Yes, um, I definitely like I, I think of it like this, like someone brought to me uh, earlier this week because I was having a conversation about capitalism and how, you know, I definitely don't agree with capitalism at all. And the person was like, well, don't you profit from your artwork that you create? Um, you're playing into capitalism right then. And, like, my thought to that is just because I have to have capitalism in order to live in this society right now doesn't mean 
that that's what I want to do? Or does it mean that it's sustainable? Does it mean that it's providing me adequate enough of income? Does it mean that it, it's a, you know, a, a great thing? Uh, just because I I have to play into those things doesn't mean that I want to. So it's just like, it's hard for you to just sit here and say, well, you've read all this text and why haven't you gone out there and do it? Well, why are you still on Twitter making a tweet about it instead of going out there and doing something yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like they just point the finger at other people as opposed to, like, putting their actions to words. And that's interesting because... I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but just the way American society is set up. Like, if you were to say, okay, I'm 100% against capitalism. You'll be broke. You'll be homeless. I'm not going to work because this is, I'm working for a capitalist system. I'm not going to make money because that's capitalist. You can't get on food stamps because you don't work. Or you, if you can, it's only for three months. You can't pay rent because you ain't got no money. So, I mean, it's not like we can say, well, nope, the capitalism can't do it. But so that argument is invalid. Like you at this point, it's not like you can just run away from capitalism in America. Like this is not going to work. You need money to even like pick your nose at this point. But going back to the other thing. I do think that when it comes to non-necessities, we definitely have become too attached and dependent on materialism and uh, brands and, and, and just consumerism. So if like, like Chick-fil-A, homophobic, supporting, uh, anti-progressive, uh, movements, ultra conservative movements. If you say you are for, if you are progressive and you are against corporations funding things that will negatively affect LGBT people, poor people, women, whatever, why is it asking too much of you to not go to Chick fil A? Can you not make a sandwich? Can you not uh, put some buffalo sauce on a chicken sandwich and, and put on some bread and call it a day? Why is it asking you too much to not? I even got to ask myself this. If I know that Apple is making people work, like at slave shops and people are having to work and they're killing themselves because they're working so hard and they're going into Africa and they're taking like digging and taking all these precious metals to put into our iPhones. Why can't I give up this doggone iPhone? It's literally, since we were been babies, consumerism and capitalism has been ingrained in our heads. We grew up on Saturday, car Saturday morning cartoons. All we were fed was commercials. Majority of the cartoons weren't even cartoons. They were just pure commercials. So... We it's like we feel like we can't live without it. I could live without this dumb iPhone that keeps freezing up, but for some reason I have an attachment to it. Y'all could live without going to Chick Fil A. I promise your life you'll probably you'll save so much money you'll probably lose a couple pounds. But for some reason, 
It's like that. So I have to ask myself, am I ready for a revolution? I can't give up my iPhone. I still listen to problematic artists. Can Am I ready for the revolution? I think a lot of it has to do, too, with uh, accessibility. Like, going in uh, Chick-fil-A's drive-thru is ten times easier than me cooking something at the house. Um, having my iPhone is 100% easier than sending someone uh, a snail mail. Um, like, like, I think uh, some of it not only does it have to do with, you know, the fact that um, consumerism was ingrained in us, it's also that technology and things like Chick-fil-A, fast food restaurants, have made it where it's almost detrimental, or not detrimental, but it's almost like super important and like you need it in your life and that's almost that's kind of almost where it's gotten to like capitalism is so ingrained in us that it's almost like it's it's needed now and technology technology plays on capitalism but like it's almost like those things are just like now you need those things you don't want them you need them in order to to be uh functional in today's society yeah uh, i don't know Maybe not Chick-fil-A. Maybe you don't need Chick-fil-A. But, like, technology, I definitely think that, like, as far as society goes. Let's just say brands. Let's say, uh, because you have, like, what brand? What's your favorite brand if you have a brand of something? Walmart. Walmart has, Walmart is, uh, has pretty much eliminated mom and pop grocery stores and retailers because of their low prices. That and they pay people so low that and and give them just the right amount of hours that they don't have to give them uh health care and that they own food stamps. They have like pretty much changed the game. The the owners of the company are billionaires, but the people are getting minimum wage. That is a very unethical company. Yet you shop at Walmart. So you're saying you, as someone in your socioeconomic level, Walmart has made it so that that's the only place you really can shop because it's so cheap. Yeah. They have. They have created the the or contributed to creating the economic climate, but then they make it so that that's the only place you can afford. That's different, I think. I think that's a little bit different. But we talking about stuff like H and M, like that's you don't have to go no H and M. That's not cheap. Chick fil A, uh, whatever else. These iPhones and iPads. I ain't gotta have no iPhone. I can get an Android. Do you think this this generation of millennials would be ready for a revolution? I think no. And I think it's not even because of capitalism. I think it's got to do with something else when we talk about the way we were raised again. How, for most of us, I know, we have been raised, especially as black people, that you don't question authority. And, and especially since we know our history, Rising up, mm -mm. you don't do that because we know what's happened to our leaders. They've gotten killed. They've gotten gunned down. I mean, the Black Panthers are no more. 
So there's a lot of reluctance around it because it's like we've been beaten down so much. It's almost like the like what could what could we possibly do? Those people were able to make a difference and they get killed. So what good could I possibly do if I expect to be alive? And it's like we we've become really apathetic. Like all we can do now is I think that's why social media is so big for us because it feels like that's the only platform where we can just give a voice and just release what we've been feeling and the stresses or whatever. But we know even if we ain't protesting, if we just minding our business, there's a chance we might not come back home. So it's very risky for us. It was risky in the 60s, but it's just as risky now, now that we know what happened to them in the 60s. So it's like, I don't know. It's like we have it brewing inside of us. But it's just, it's, I don't know what it's going to have to take for us to, to do that. I don't know what it would take. I guess just if, heaven forbid, something happened to like my brother or my dad or mom, somebody real close to me. Then I'll be ready 100%. I feel like all of that stuff I had released in me would just be gone. I, I would just I would just have no other avenue than to let it out and just to go ham on everybody. But un- until then, it still seems like just through indoctrination of religion and just our families, we just really became, a, we're just docile because of fear what do you think as far as is just white millennial people what is it gonna take for y'all to get in the streets and then go hoopla uh i think our problem is still that we play into white supremacy too much i think our problem is is that we would rather um like we we would rather go to starbucks than uh like try and protest something or uh we're like i'm saying like basically as far as white millennials go like we're even more trash than anything truly like i just think of like i guess we don't really have to experience as much so because of that uh we don't really feel like as far as like especially white millennial men that I've talked to, like they don't feel like that there's an issue. So there's nothing to rise up against. Um, And even in spaces that, you know, are white millennial women, uh, they still are playing into white feminism, like where white feminism is just taken at face value and it's not something that's as in-depth as it should be because, again, they're not having to experience uh, the same things as people of color have to experience. So they don't ever think of those things or they don't even, it doesn't even dawn on them to have that conversation at all. Like, I feel like white men, especially like the old white people, I can see them going out and doing something crazy because they're already on edge. They've they're they've gotten real riled up. They don't fear nothing. They don't fear the police. They don't fear, but they do. I mean, it's like they don't fear, but they do fear. They fear brown people. They fear black folks, and uh, but they don't fear the police. They do whatever they want to do. You know what I'm saying? I, all it took is like. Let's say oh, uh, Donald Trump got impeached, something like that. Then I would see them like going ham like that. 
Because like you said, they haven't had a history of all their political leaders getting killed. They haven't had a history of 300 years of slavery. They haven't had a, a history of Jim Crow laws. They haven't had a history of indoctrination on their inferiority. Um, they haven't had a history of just racism, like just being discriminated against and made to feel less than. So they could do it. But, yeah, unfortunately, like America is a whole nother different place. Like we have all bought into the myth of the American dream and middle class, like that has really just made us just kind of complacent with it. Like we're always thinking that, oh, just give me that, just give me ten more years, I'll be there. Give me ten more years, I'll be in the upper class. Give me five more years, I'll be making fifty k. Give me, you know, when we're we're, we're finding out it's not realistic. But maybe when the millennials become, like, maybe by the time we about 50 and then we figure out, dang, most of us doing worse than our parents were, maybe our kids will do something. But until then, I, I definitely agree. Okay. Um, so next we can talk about the phenomena. Of course, as you know, I'm not going to name his name. There was a whack comedian that um was intended to host a whack award show, and uh, it was he was dropped from it because he refused to apologize for some homophobic tweets and uh, stand-up comedy routines um that he had like I mean like ten years ago. I think some he said the f word. And, like, saying, like, if his son was gay, he'd beat him up. You know, just the, the typical trash that you would expect from a cis-heterosexual black male that's ignorant. Um, so, um, it came up. He was like, he's not going to apologize because he's already apologized. Now it's pretty much become a conversation of, like, everybody saying, well, why are you going back in the past? Why should you judge somebody on the past? First of all, let's go to that question. Should be should people be judged on what they said in the past? Tweets. If there's never been any type of clarification, can should people be able to go back? Let's say you've never, like, in your recent years said anything about, you never talked about trans people. You never said they were good, you never said they were bad. But somebody's found a tweet from five years ago that was mad transphobic. Should people be able to bring that up? Should people be able to say, hey, look at what KT tweeted five years ago. Do you think that's fair? I think people are allowed to do whatever they want to do, but I do think that people are allowed to change as well. People are allowed to have a growth in themselves. Um, I'm sure us growing up in a capitalistic, sexist, homophobic, um, racist, ableist society weren't always these woke people that we think we are. You know, we all have a past and we all have something that uh, has, you know, haunted our little uh, millennial liberal thoughts at night. Like, oh, I hope they don't bring that up, you know. So, um, 
yeah, I, I think you're allowed to bring that up, but also I think you're allowed to grow as a person as well. So. So what do you say about the fact that, okay, Kevin Hart says these tweets are eight years, 10 years old and he's already apologized for him. He don't want to apologize for him again. But the fact that when, after he apologized for it, those other two times he claims, he never deleted them. Do you think that that has any bearance on it or do you think he, it's, he still could have grown and just, I don't know, forget? Here's what I think in regards to that. Um, I think that even though that was back then, he still hasn't proved any way or another that he's an ally to queer people. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that being said, it's valid to bring up those messages and it's valid to bring up those things when you haven't made any type of difference at all. Other than, like, now all of a sudden, you just come out out of nowhere. Like, have you contributed to queer uh, homeless people? Have you contributed to any type of queer people, period? Other than having to comment on their lifestyle and then, quote-unquote, apologizing for something? Like, when, when straight people say they apologize, like, that's just their way of saying, oh, well, I'm sorry I've offended you. But I'm not going to do anything really to change the ways that I'm doing or change or even contribute to any type of productive conversations or even correct people who are within my little demographics also who are straight and who are talking crap about you behind your back. So like when people say they've apologized, like I don't really believe that anyway. And so, yeah, I think it's still valid to bring those things up. That's that's what I say. And then the fact that the apology was just simply like, I'm sorry that I if I offended anybody. If do have we not just seen like in this past summer? I feel like there was like a plethora, like a smorgasbord of stories about somebody had a son, and then they came out and they got killed or beat or or, or harassed or this or that, like so, and all this stuff. And it's reality for people. People are dying, and you're saying people being sensitive. These folks is dead. They're abused. Some, some, I remember a couple, they said some man went in there and, and poured hot boiling water on them. They weren't doing nothing, just laying down. And so I'm like, and here's the thing. Like they said, remember we had that episode with, uh, who we had, Bo and, uh, what's the dude's name? Paco. And they said, Amer- they said, America's getting too sensitive. People like women, people getting too sensitive, right? But we can't say men are trash. We can't say men are trash for just literally experience, life experiences like saying, oh, I got harassed, men are trash. I got this, men are trash. They get offended by that and they call you bitter. But they can say, uh, if I had a gay son, I'd shoot that dude. I'd never have a gay son. I ain't going to raise no. Like, this is what? All these black men defending Kevin Hart. And they were probably the same ones defending George Lopez. I'm seeing a trend. As long as they are attacking women or gay people, then, oh, nothing about it. But let a white person say, black folks do this. 
or black folks do that. They want every single woman and every single person, regardless of sexuality, to come up in droves and get them kicked off the air. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it no more. Not for these people. I refuse because they have no loyalty to me. I have no loyalty to them. It's over with. I'm done with it. In 2019, I've already said I'm done with it. Now I'm really done with it. You can do it yourself. They got it. As Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam can grant Centoya Brown clemency before he leaves office in January. Contact him and demand he take action. Phone number 615-741-2001. His email is Bill. B-I-L-L dot Haslam, H-A-S-L-A-M, at Tennessee dot gov. Hashtag free Centoya, C-Y-N-T-O-I-A. Definitely um, research her story. A lot of people have been tweeting about it. A lot of celebrities. Um, it's definitely an injustice what's happened to that, to that girl. Let's give her a bow and uh, let's do what's right. Um, let's protect black girls. All right, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash talkitoutpodcast, instagram.com slash talkitoutpodcast, twitter.com slash talkitout underscore pod. Use the hashtag talkitoutpod for a retweet. Thank you again for listening. This has been your girl, Gabby. And KT. And this has been Talk It Out Podcast. Talk it out.